Hi folks, and welcome to Elevate Your Game, a podcast where we take a deep dive into how to successfully bag game for the table and make it delicious. We'll explore hunting techniques, tools and equipment to increase your field success, and the utensils and culinary techniques that make wild protein delectable. My name is Tim Fowler, and I'm a Canadian journalist, chef, hunter, fisherman, and wild game cook. We'll talk with relevant experts, review gear that will help you achieve your goals, and provide game preparation details that will deliver memorable meals. Direct message me your questions on Instagram at Timothy D. Fowler, and while you're at it, give me a follow. Or you can email me your culinary questions at tim at birchcanoe.ca. Whatever your favorite wild protein, together we will elevate your game. Hi folks, and welcome to Elevate Your Game. Today we're talking with Jim Schlabowski. He is a doc. He will tell you uh, where he lives in a minute, but check out his Instagram page. It's Dr. Smokehouse, and his tagline is, people aren't the only thing I cure. And Jim was recently in the south of France in Gascony, with Kate Hill, who's been on the pod three times. And we're connecting with Jim today. Well, because I'm jealous and because I want to learn what he learned and uh, just sort of hear about the experience that he had in France. But before, before we do that, Jim, let me welcome you. Thank you for peeling off a chunk of precious time to talk to us. And will you tell listeners where in the world you're located? Um, yeah, well, thank you again for inviting me. So I currently am living in um, the U.S. in central Pennsylvania, uh, really in the almost the dead center of the state, a little north of the capital of Harrisburg. Uh, this is a rural country. Uh, you can hear the clip-clop of horses as the Amish uh, buggies go by uh, many a morning. Um and I have a, I'll call it a farmette. I have about uh, seven and a half acres. Uh, used to be part of a bigger farm at one point, but things were divided up a long time ago. Uh, and I am really into all the world of, of charcuterie. I, I started my journey um, about 15 years ago. Um, and that was really a reintroduction for me. My uh, my uh, grandfather had a small uh, grocery store in southwestern PA. Uh, there, they didn't do what I would well, what I would really call what people would define as charcuterie, but they did make uh, an array of fresh sausages. Um, they had a small butcher shop. They actually processed uh, a deer there. Uh, in, in the hunting season. And so I grew up around some of that, mostly cleaning up and doing tasks. Uh, then uh, 15 years ago, a friend of mine um, said, hey, would you like to make sausage? And I had not done that in probably a good 30 years. Uh, and so I said, sure. And that started me on my journey of, um, of, of this process. And at first I made um, the family kielbasa, a few venison, fresh sausages, that sorts of thing. And then I went to my first um, hog butchering class, um, actually to butcher the mangalitsa uh, pigs. And if anybody's not familiar with those, those are called the woolly pig. They're native of Hungary, I guess, originally. Uh, the butcher <coughs> was from Austria, and this was the first... I think heard imported, but that started me on this journey. And since then I've, um, I've, I've gone to raising my own pigs because I, I, when I bought my first pig, I didn't realize that all pigs aren't scalded and scraped. Um, when I bought a pig here, it was, it, it had been skinned and there was no fat on it. <laughs> um, cause it was a commercial hog. Um, so from there, I started to raise my own hogs. We went to the local auction barn at first, bought a couple. Um, 
And then after that, I found the world of heritage hogs. Mm. Um, with heritage hogs, I started, I've gone through probably almost a dozen different heritage breeds. Um, and then along the way, I've, I've really enjoyed, uh, going to classes and going to events. Uh, I've been to, uh, I learned to do uh, Culatello in Italy with Massimo Spigaroli. I spent some time in Spain, uh, learning Spanish style. And then most recently with Kate Hill, learning the French style. Um, and so it's been absolutely wonderful. Fantastic. Just fantastic. I, what I know about manga, is it Mangalitsa? Is that the right way to say yeah. it? Is it they're big and round? It's a, it's a real round hog. They, they have a lot of fat. Uh, the fat texture is really, really interesting. It's, uh, you know, one of the best copas, um, that I've ever made, um, was a Mangalitsa copa and the fat was just creamy and delicious. But for many people, there's, there's a little too much fat. If you're going to get Mangalitsa and, and that it goes with for some other breeds, you better sure. like fat. Not bad if you're a, a you're a hunter, actually. You yeah. know, yeah. hog fat and venison are marriage made in heaven. Beautiful. Yeah. Yep. And we do 70 30. It's almost two to one. Um, and it, it's just, it's perfect. It's, that's, that's what we've landed on. 1.5% salt by weight and some nice, some nice blended spices in there for fresh sausage we're talking about. Yeah. And, uh, we do cold smoke and hot smoke and whatever. It's mm -hmm. just, it's glorious. Yeah. There's so wonderful things. So how, well, I'm interested now because we, I mentioned to you that, that my boys are stepping into the the sausage making thing and pushing it back a little bit and butchering our own hogs. Um, and we kind of like a little bit older hog. Um, we like them a little bigger and a little more mature than a market hog. Well, what's, what, what, do you define as, what, is it, what do you define as big? And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I define as big. Well, it's not big. It's not like the 800 <laughs> pounder. It's not, it's not that, but I yeah. think dressed, they were, I want to say 320. That's, that's a nice hog. Yeah. It was a good, it was a good size. A big it, hog. It, yeah. And we made, we did that one Italian style. So we made yeah. guanciale and, yeah. and, uh, we did some other things with the fat back. Uh, have um, you done, have you done a prosciutto or those? Uh, um, I have not. I've, I've stepped towards that with goose. So I okay. made, oh, I yeah. made a, a short, like a, it's like a short turnaround um goose prosciutto takes six or eight weeks something like that um i have not part of the challenge is i live in canada and it's like minus 30 for half of the year so for me to have the space to age a prosciutto and maybe i could do that in the pantry uh, you know maybe yeah. maybe the maybe the first six months in the cabinet and and then it just goes in the pantry with yeah that on well it. i i actually i'm an old school curer i actually in my barn in the basement Perfect. where I hang it, I have a part of it walled off. Yep. And I really just cure in the winter. We don't have the cold maybe that you get, but it gets it yep. gets pretty cold here. And then the, the we have the opposite problem. I really can't do anything, any of that cured stuff. After about I can't really start projects after about March, because um, it just gets, too, you know, gets just, a little too warm, too and the warm, humidity yeah. really climbs in the curing yeah. cellar. And yeah. I could make, I could watch it, and I have a walk-in cooler too. I could do something like that, but I prefer not to. I mean, there's something yeah. about doing hogs the traditional way, and that's that's yeah. kind of where I, I I sit with this. Sweet, yeah. So, oh, there's so much. <laughs> There's a lot. This world, believe me, I could talk There's for days and so days on this much. world. And uh, yeah, I, I I failed to mention one of the other one of the other very very special special people and special events that I did is I um, hosted Francois Vecchio. Uh, Francois mm -hmm. has written a couple of books, uh, one on charcuterie, um, another on his life in meat. And he is, Francois is Swiss, and there is no one that has a 
a greater breadth of knowledge on all meats in the curing world than Francois. Because he's Swiss, he's lived in Germany, France, Italy, and he knows that. I mean, he speaks all those languages. He knows all that. That, in fact, his wow. one book is called is titled Charcuterie, uh, Charcutier, Volumier, um, and Versmeister. And he really is proficient. But anyway, he um, um, he um, he taught us um, a couple of things including something for you that we just did with venison. I think when you have a shorter season or whatever, it would be worth trying. And that is, there's a, uh, a type of, it's a boneless, per, I'll, I'll use the term prosciutto because I think people are familiar with that. Yep. A boneless prosciutto called a speck tirelis. Okay. A certain way of boning out a leg. Yep. Um, and actually we did that at, I did that when we were helping a chef down in Texas um, this winter. And so it'll be interesting to see how that product comes out because it's smoked and it's dried a lot quicker. Um, now, yeah, we did something parallel to that. We did broke you? down the one, the one, the hog we did French style. Okay. We broke down the one leg into um, sort of small football chunks. Yeah. Yep. Put it on salt. Yep. Peppered it, black. You know, I can't remember mm -hmm. a week, maybe, yeah. and then then covered it in black pepper and smoked mm -hmm. it cold for, I don't know, twenty four hours, maybe, mm -hmm. and then we hung that in the garage for ten, twelve weeks. It wasn't prosciutto, but it was pretty good. Yeah, that that's a great product. I've done some some similar with some venison, and it's a it's a you know. I mean, it's, it's a great product. It's different, you know, and that's yeah. what I tell people when you make something, um, you know, it, it's, it just try and experiment. I mean, especially yeah. if you have an abundance <clears throat> of game, you know, and there's certain things that I've made in the past that, you know, pork is still king. I mean, for the yeah. cured meats. Yeah. So like for us here, sometimes we get to the point like, yeah, why should I bother making like, like for example, uh, duck and, and goose prosciutto, I don't make them really much anymore because, you know, I, I just have an abundance of other prosciutto. So you're doing the proper thing. Yeah. So it's like what I like. And I found that I wasn't eating it. And I'd rather I'd rather take that duck. I'd rather sear that duck <laughs> breast and have a nice, a nice, wonderful duck yep. breast to eat. Yep. Um, yep. And so but yep. I think if you have an abundance, you know, um, and and have time to experiment that's what i encourage people to do you know if you know the basics um just uh experiment and do it sounds good so tell me about france where did you land so we flew into paris and um it was interesting this trip was supposed to happen in in um april of 2020 so instead of being in France, I was sitting doing bit. This was my uh, entryway into Zoom video medical calls. So I was doing Zoom. I was supposed to be off for two weeks, which was the first time I've ever taken two weeks off in my life. And um, oh. instead, I was doing like this. I was talking to people online about their health issues. Um, <laughs> and in any event, in the end, it worked out later because it got rescheduled for two years. So we flew into Paris. Um, my two of my my four sons are living there right now. Okay. My, my son Ethan is a um, is a YouTube personality on okay. on food. I'll I'll give him I'll give him the plug. It's awesome. uh, it's Ethan Chabowski. If you just search Ethan Ethan food or Ethan cooking, you'll find him. He's actually done really well in the YouTube arena. He has about a million subscribers right now. Um, there is a nice, um, and especially for your listeners, because this is an easily adaptable uh, recipe to game. Um, I'm actually in one of his videos. We made um, my kielbasa, or my family's, I should say mine. It's my grandfather's recipe for Polish kielbasa. And that is, I must say, for any listeners of yours, 
my my brother's a big duck hunter. He's done that with duck and goose, uh, especially the 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 ducks that no one wants to eat because maybe yep. fishy. It really yep. works great. Um, we've done it with um, we've done it with venison. We've done it with elk. Um, you know, it, it is a great recipe. So you could you could search Ethan and his kobasi. He did a great job of explaining the basics of meat grinding and the process. Sweet. He really does a great job. But so I, I digress. But anyway, he was there, and my youngest son Gabe um, is is actually his uh, his one employee right now. So they're Sweet. living in France for three months, doing Sweet. food things and doing videos, Sweet. and. So we flew in there. Uh, my oldest son and his new wife didn't have a honeymoon this last year, so they decided to honeymoon in France. And then my wife Susan came along, and then my my, my third son Peter came to the class with me at Kate. So we we basically okay. flew into Paris, took the train um, all the way to um, to Agen. And rented a car, drove to the village of Nirac, which is near Kate's um, place. And then that's where our home was for, for a good week uh, while we did Kate's class. And so in her class, it was breaking down um, um, a uh, Gaskin black pig. Okay. Wonderful pig in the French style, which is, you know, they're, they're all similar, whether it's mm -hmm. Italian, Spanish, um, um, you know, uh, uh, French, you know, the Americans differ in that they use more, more as we do in America, use more, uh, bandsaw stuff and hard tools. Yeah. But, um, we broke that and then we made an array of French products. Um, that was lovely, 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 lovely. Um, I know you're an Armagnac fan. We got to stop and, and, and have some Armagnac and some flock, um, along the way. So we had a wonderful week there. Um, and then we headed to the Bayonne Ham Fair. Mm. And if anybody mm. ever gets a chance, go to Bayonne, go to the Ham Fair. It's always it, – it's interesting. It's always held around Easter. Um, it's, it's, uh, it starts, I believe, on a Thursday and runs all the way till Sunday. Mm. But uh, they, they basically judge country hams. They have all kind of events, tastings. It, it's a wonderful event. So we were there for a couple of days. We went to then we uh, took a train to Bordeaux. I love Bordeaux, and then back up to Paris. So it was it was just. I mean, I wish I could have stayed another couple of weeks, but you know, uh, next time, next time, I would. I, the French countryside is wonderful, uh, wonderful, um, wonderful food. Um, wonderful. Uh, where where we were in in Agen and Nirac is the home of foie gras. So just absolutely like over the top, uh, mouthwateringly delicious. I can't say enough. So that was, that was really, really a special event. And when you say foie gras, two things pop in my head, confit, cassoulet. Um, if yes. you've got foie gras, then let's not waste those ducks and that fat. Oh, let's, absolutely. uh, let's make something delicious and have dinner. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, I tried to, um, a number of years ago, I tried to naturally raise my own foie. So mm -hmm. there is a, uh, an American chef by the name of Jeffrey Weiss. He wrote a book on Spanish-style charcuterie called Charcuteria. Wonderful book. And in it, um, he describes uh, this gentleman and has photos. And actually, this gentleman's in – I think he's in one of Dan Barber's books too. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on the gentleman's name. But anyway, he they, they, they kind of have domesticated geese that they get to – feed and, and and naturally and try to let them fat naturally, which uh, I, I've been told that even in duck hunters, like it's one in, I forget how many thousand, you can actually get a lucky foie duck if you're really lucky, if, if a duck or a goose has gorged itself. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. I mean, I, I never have seen that. In any event, I tried to do it myself and I got Toulouse geese and I, and it did 
let's just say it didn't work. I had some wonderful, wonderful meat, but 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 di- I didn't do the gavage. I was trying to do it naturally, and it didn't yeah. work. And I might try it again. Yeah. I've learned I've learned some tips about let, letting them try to do it naturally. So I may I may go down that road at some point again. Yeah. But you know, there's yeah. only uh, I I've got too many projects and and not enough time. Fair enough. Fair enough. So can you tell me Jeffrey's last name, the charcuterie? Oh, Weiss. You, you did mean, tell me. and it's uh, him... Yeah, it, the book, his his last name is yep. um, W-E-I-S-S, and the book is Charcuteria. So it's, so like charcuterie, but with an I-A on the end, that's, yep. that's yep. charcuterie. In, in a wonderful, wonderful book. Um, and really describes, and actually it's interesting. So, um, when we, when I did that, right, when I got back from that class, it's a way to, to process very large, large pigs, um, without, um, without the use of even a hoist that you actually process them on their back and break them down. You seem that a little different than the Italians would do, um, and in fact, when we came back from that, I came back from that class as I went, I, 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 um, had, had, had his book, but I had not gone to the class and, and we actually stayed at one of the places where he describes in the book. Hmm. And so we learned how to do it. And we came back with my good friends, uh, at Han Yoon farm. Um, we actually processed a 600 pound pig at their place yep. in that style. We've done a couple since, um, it, it it's great for very very large pigs. So so how do you deal with the the uh, hair on those on those ones? Um, so we Are do you, we learn this in I learned this in Italy. We do what's called the uh, we'll call it the pour over. So in, okay. in in classic scalding, you would have a scalding trough, and yep. you'd, you know, you have your, your water temperature one fifty one fifty five somewhere in that range and you dunk the hog and you roll it and it'll do in, mm-hmm. in the pour over you're working in very small areas and you're pouring mm-hmm. really almost boiling water on it. Okay. And you actually scrape as you go. If you look, okay. eh, if, if people want to troll my Instagram, my Dr. Smokehouse Instagram, I think I was in um, Italy 2016, the winter. And there's, there's some videos of Italian gentlemen doing it far better than I can, but we've done that several times with uh, um, very, very large pigs. Um, we'll actually do the pour over technique and it works fairly well and you don't need yep. a big trough. You just, you basically, you do need a, a, a pretty good quantity of boiling water. So you got to be ready to have that water going, yep. but it works quite well. Yep. Good. Yeah. Awesome. Don't want to give up that skin, right? No, no, the skin is great. I mean, um, another thing that I think would be, and I, and I, I've played with this a little bit, not enough. And I hope to do a little more this year. We learned from Francois, um, a product called skin block. So basically you're taking the skins and, um, um, you're cooking the skin till they're, they're re- almost like you would for, um, pork rinds. Yep. So you're cooking it till it's it's really soft, yep. and then what you're doing is, and and it's actually really important to get all the fat off the skin. So you're taking those cooked skins and putting them in a food processor, and and really you have they have to be super soft because you're going to process that into like a jello, and once that sets, you can add that back into your sausages, and Ooh. it adds a level of moisture Ooh. and unctuousness that is wonderful. Ooh. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely one of these like little things that we learned from him along the way that like, like, whoa, whoa, this is yeah. just, it's a game changer and a way yeah. to not waste. I mean, I'm big in the not wasting yeah. um, much of anything. I mean, except for when it com- comes to, um, I don't, and I would like to have your take on this. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, it's funny. Um, I don't know if you, 
you probably know him, or I don't know if you've ever talked to him, is Hank Shaw. Um, yep. And from Hunter Angler Garden Cook. Anyway, he um, he was talking Hank. about the uses of venison fat. And I'm like, I mean, I, yep. I always have pork fat, so I, I don't. I don't have a problem with not wasting your venison fat, but, but at the same time, I, like, why would I use that when I have pork fat? You know, well, that's a fair question. Hank, Hank has been on the pod. Um, he, he was on to talk about his, uh, fishing, fishing book when he launched it. So I, I, um, I'm sort of tired of arguing with people about venison fat. So I just stopped. Okay. But, but we and I and I and I'm there's no argument with you at all. I don't have any argument. I mean, why would I have venison fat if I have hog fat? However, the the argument that I have is this sort of common orientation to you got to get every speck of fat off that deer because that's where the nasty is. Well, I, I completely disagree. Oh, I, 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 I I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm right I, with you. Like I roasted a whole venison leg. I don't know. We shot a nice fat deer last part of the season and, it, and it's, it's fat. Yeah. And there's, there's a, there's a covering of quarter of an inch of fat over the whole hind quarter. We cleaned that up and put it on the barbecue and just let it go on a real slow roast. That fat dripped around the roast the whole time we collected the fat we made gravy with it it was delicious interesting so yeah. it, it for me it, it <coughs> a lot of the products it's it's more about the what i call the mouth feel and yeah. so i'm uh I, i'm a little i'm way nerdy when it comes to fat in fact i you know my pigs are fed certain things just because it makes the fat better like not all pig fat of is, course is the same of course so so and in in my house so we have we have hogs like we yeah. and we make sausage so yeah. most of that fat goes in there but we render a bunch of it and that goes into apple pie and yeah. Yeah. all kinds of other good things including Absolutely. coffee and then i live in a place where we have two bear tags a year so i can shoot a lean and mean spring bear that's sweet tasting and delicious and i can shoot a fall bear that's been eating i don't know berries and clover yeah uh -huh. and there's two inches of fat like you like you know it's like on a big hog and that is delicious well i would much rather have that than venison fat i don't want to i don't want to waste anything but Okay. Yeah. Well, and, and, yeah, and that's what I do. I I actually so my venison fat is mostly I feed the birds with it. You Fair know, or, or my chickens actually. My chickens like it, and so I I I figured you know I'm not I'm not I'm not wasting it out. And and if Fair anything, enough. it's going to go in the compost pile at some point. And it's all good. It, nothing here gets wasted, as I like to say. I mean, we it's it gets recycled in some capacity. It just, when, you know, it's the burdens of abundance, you know, it's the burden of all of this stuff. Um, but like I said, when you raise big hogs, you end up with way more fat than you could ever eat. And so, um, you know, it's, I'm, I'm actually having to find creative uses for fat. Cool. Are you making soap yet? I, my, one of my sons started to make got stuff to make the soap and we haven't finished so i have all of the all of the equipment and i've got i have probably 20 pounds of rendered fat to make soap i'm hoping i'm i'm actually i um went half time in my day job as a physician just in january okay. so i'm i'm still staying busier than i would like to be with certain things and so Again, there's only so much time. I'm hoping to uh, to you know uh, to add soap into my repertoire at some point. Um, Jolene Moorhead um, is connected to Bear Hunting Magazine. Okay. Uh, Colby Colby Moorhead is the um, executive editor. She has embraced bear fat in a in an intimate way. She has made um, a collection of face and hand creams oh, soap nice. and the works and it's it's you know hog i say a bear is like a 
a hog with hair and teeth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Any, <laughs> anyways, so what else the weekend, what I was impressed with was the, uh, the sausage and the terrine that you made, terrines that you made in France. Tell, tell us about that. Cause that's sort of a, like when you think charcuterie, you think bacon, yeah. bacon, like ham, smoked shanks, that kind of sort of stuff. Well, but, but the yeah, French just have this whole uh, other level of. Yeah. So the first one I'll talk about, and it goes to the, the no waste um, yeah. aspect and that's using blood. Yeah. So I've made various blood products. Um, from the there's a there's a very soft um, um, blood sausage called a uh, well there's different versions of this but the one that Francois taught us his boudin boudin noir is is black you know black sausage uh, it's it's a very soft like creamy one that just mm. has um, blood and some onions and some cream I think there's cream in it mm. I forget his recipe but anyway it's very soft. Now, Kate's was interesting in that um, we cooked the pig's head until just just tender, you know, to all the skin and all of the things were tender. Then that was picked off and chopped. And then blood was added into that along with some spices. Um, and that was cooked as a um, – actually, we canned some of it right in jars so then it could be preserved in a hot water bath. But then we cooked some of those right in the oven and we had a couple dishes with that. So that was number one. We made a, um, a my favorite, favorite, favorite one is called the, uh, uh, and I, I, I hope I'm, my, my pronunciation is correct, is a fricandu, which is uh, basically that, that pate is, um, um, you take your, your your pork meat and it's pretty fatty meat. You know, you're gonna you're gonna use classically like the jowls, yep. the jowls, and then any of the other like soft fat that that isn't, you know, um, uh, people are familiar with the softer parts, the softer fat versus the hard fat. The hard fat's the back fat that's used for salami um, or saucisson in France. Um, the softer fat is towards the belly and towards the back of the pig. So you use those softer bits. You mix that with, um, by weight, 10% liver, 10% cooked potatoes, and okay. 10% raw onions. That's all ground up okay. with uh, salt and pepper. Um, and then, so classically then it's, 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 um, it's formed into balls about the size of, uh, I'll say about a, of, of an American baseball. Um, they're, they're formed into a ball and what that is placed in the call fat wrapped in right. call fat and then cooked mm. very hot mm. in and of it. Roasted. Yes. Yeah. You can okay. also put that in a, you can put that in a terrine pan, but the classic way is just rolled in those balls and they're, absolutely stunningly delicious i mean and then, how, and then how do they serve them they um, slice them or serve cold <coughs> so you're they're let set and then you can serve them cold like slice. with lunch with a nice baguette yeah. you know i mean it it's it's just absolutely wonderful um there's another one that we made um um the grand pear um Pate, and that one has a little bit more higher percentage of liver. So it's like, you know, and I think we put some Armagnac in that one. I mean, there's, they're all versions of the same thing, but they're typically cooked. Um, and then they're eaten, you know, eaten cold. Most of those after they're, after they're set. Um, we made a, um, we made a nice pate in croute. So mm -hmm. for hers, mm -hmm. She did a, her version of a hot water dough, which was was used the the rendered lard um, and some water, and I think a little salt in that dough, and that's it for the dough. Um, and then the filling in this case was um, um, was a hand chopped uh, pork meat, uh, 
prunes, oh my gosh, the prunes in France are a different animal indeed. Like they are like prunes. We bought some at the market. They are like, they are, uh, uh, they blew me away. And they actually, but he said they would blow you away. They are a different, if you're ever in France at the, get, get the fresh, get the, the prunes at one of the markets. They are just to die for. And that one, I think, so we did that prunes. Uh, there were some shallots in there, uh, salt and pepper, a little Armagnac, I think. And then that True. was cooked again in a fairly hot oven. It's just, you know, it, it like in that style and Kate's style is, is quote unquote country cooking. Yeah. But you need wonderful fresh ingredients. And that's what I find, you know, whether it's a, whether it's a, uh, you know, a, a nice piece of venison that's been properly butchered and cared for to a properly killed hog. And, you know, uh, if you have simple, great ingredients, you don't need much, right? What's better than a nice piece of, you know, uh, of a, of a venison, you know, a freshly killed venison, um, you know, a tenderloin and, um, a nice piece of liver, um, yeah. you know, the night of the hunt, right? Why, yeah. why would you, you don't need anything else at the right yeah. time. I mean, yep. that, that's what, that's what I say is like certain things I, I like to do certain things with, I, you know, why would I turn my, you know, ven venison loins into salami? I might do a little bit, but if I get, sure. if I'm, if I'm lucky, but sure. I, I like, I like that as a, as a cooked product that's not cooked that much, yeah. you know, and that's, I think that's the joy of all this stuff is to take your ingredient and it's, if it's, if it's a great ingredient, you do a few, you don't need to do much to it. Right. Uh, it's, it's can be fa fabulous. Yeah. And when the ingredients are that good, you want them to come through. Like you don't need like your comment about liver. My buddy Jim, when we hunt with Jim and take a deer, it's like Tim. I mean, you don't even have to ask. We're having liver for supper, and it's liver, salt and pepper, butter. Mm -hmm. End of story. That's all you need. <laughs> Although I do, I do have a wonderful, wonderful liverwurst. Like smoked liverwurst is a is a thing oh, of of man. beauty. I have a great recipe that we make every year that out of mostly hog. Although I've done it with some venison liver. Um, but it's, it's also a thing of beauty, you know, like, and again, when, when you have, you know, even like liver, you can only eat so much, you know, depending on how, how much you, you know, and so that's where I think you find things to do and that's what people used to do, right? That like the peasant cooking was all about, um, let's, let's preserve this because we don't know when the next thing is going to come up. Right. I mean, you know, you didn't, you didn't waste anything. So, yeah, and they didn't in the you know my it's not a soapbox, it's just a story. Um confit now is this high-end top drawer luxurious silken thing that we pay a ton of money to be able to eat in fancy restaurants. Well, 500 years ago, French farmers did that not because of that. They did it not to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kate, Kate in her class was talking about that that, you know, and she got me to look at it in a different way. And I, and I, and I think they're, they're two different products. Like her comfy is let's, we have all these ducks. We're going to process them at once. And we're just, we're just going to do salt and you can add, you know, so many of the books will say, let's add the garlic, let's add this. Yeah. But, but honestly you can add that stuff later. Now, if you're making a small batch um, sure. you know, with one duck and you're going to eat it within sure. a month or two, then it doesn't matter. Right. But, but that, that's what, one of the things that, that impressed me uh, with, with her, it's all about these methods of preservation in a different way than I was thinking. You yeah. Know, if you're going to keep those ducks in the barn for two years, don't be introducing garlic to it. <laughs> uh, yeah. hundred percent. Right. And, yeah. and it's interesting when I was in Italy, they they looked at us with with like like we had a third eyeball when we wanted to cook up some of the fresh meat for dinner after a slaughter because they don't do it they cook the organs you know the when when they kill a hog in certain places in Italy the whole hog gets processed into cured meat whether that be salami whether that be uh, whatever uh, the the whole cuts in that region now 
the Spaniards do a lot more like cooking of meats than than I, I I shouldn't say all of Italy. It's very regional there as to what they do, and so it, it's just an interesting how it's evolved. And so you know, we in our typical take of like explore everything, like we want to g- jump in fourteen directions, and I can see how. Like they had to have a precise way of handling things. Yep. Even, even here in, I'll get, I'll, I'll, I'll say American style butchery. So, in in here in central Pennsylvania, uh, we're we're really known for our scrapple, if you will. If you had scrapple, do you know what no. scrapple is? No, I know what scrapple is, but but tell the listeners what scrapple is. Well, scrapple. So basically, you take all of the parts of the pig, all of the scraps. So all the bones that you butcher, um, and it's really, depending on who you are and how much you want to save, literally you probably throw everything in there that's just left over that isn't going to sausage or something. And that is all cooked down. Um, that's cooked down. Then the meat, the, the meaty bits are picked off the bones. Um, that, 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 those elements are then the, the meat is ground up, um, and then the, the, the broth is saved, and so then the meat goes back into the broth, and then, and then you add um, cornmeal and buckwheat flour and salt and pepper, and you put it in a big um, scrapple pot or what people call apple butter, butter pots, and you stir and stir and stir, and you keep on adding cornmeal and buckwheat flour until it really thickens and it becomes like a big, big ball of dough. Yep. Once it's thickened properly, it's put into loaf pans and let sit. And then it, it, it firms up and then it's, it's typically fried and eaten for breakfast. Um, uh, around here, they, 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 they put a little maple syrup on it and it's, it's absolutely delicious. Um, and, but it's what it's fascinating because the, um, the Italians do something called chicholata, which is much the same. It, there, there, so there are many versions of just like blood sausage. There are versions of, of everything in different cultures. And that's one of the things for me, it's fascinating to do. There's another one from um, Ohio called Geta that has um, uh, oatmeal in it or oats in it. And it, it's, it has like a different texture. So it's fascinating to me, like how it's all about <clears> – <throat> Not wasting things when you had to, right? You're going to feed the family for the winter, and so you know, like if we're like you would be in the you would be the place where you could keep frozen stuff all winter, but like some of the places you couldn't, right? Like like you know where I am, if it warms up, I used to keep my my hogs in the in the in the smokehouse until we're ready. But if you got a warm day or our venison, like you know, if we if we got a weird random warm day um you know the flies start to come and you got to do something um it's so things aren't yeah. always frozen and you had to preserve it and eat it in a certain way the italians yeah. that's why they created all the salamis because everything's salted yeah. and cured right you can only eat so much even if you have a big family you're only going to eat so much in the first couple of days <clears throat> yeah. so it was a necessity interesting it's interesting to compare those paths, right? Each of those, each of the, well, I think you could say each culture has their own path to deal with with um, maximizing the value from from the animal, and they're they're parallel, and you can see the similarities and explore the differences, and it's lovely. It's a lovely thing to pursue. It's what I love. I so love to do, and I love to talk to some people that have been to different spots. It was interesting. I was, I was, I was butchering a hog for a friend of mine, and his, his significant others from Costa Rica. And uh, he goes, well, can we make this, this sausage, this, this chorizo from, from this butcher shop? And I'm like, absolutely. And it was sure. hilarious because – I thought it was really funny. Like one of the ingredients in this chorizo that's been in this family for, for 50 years was some kind of like barbecue sauce. I'm like, how did that get in there? He said, I have no idea, but it probably came about, you know, in an interesting way. But I love, I love exploring those or family, whatever family recipes, 
somebody brought me a recipe for this kielbasa that their family made, which was different than my family's Polish yeah. smoked sausage. Had way more garlic, not much. It had garlic, salt, and pepper, but lots and lots of garlic. And I was like, I love this. I love exploring what people go in different directions. It's the same, you know, it's almost like cooking anything else. It's the same thing, but it's not. Yeah. You know, and that's that to me of this, especially in the world of charcuterie, which includes all, whether it's cooked sausages, whether it's cured sauce, I mean, I just love to explore the where those avenues take me. That's that's really my passion, and you know, you I keep learning more and more and going in in, in different directions. I just love it. Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> it's definitely the that world is for like for me is just like I said that's that's what I thoroughly enjoy. Um, I'll put one more plug in. We're actually doing a class this fall again. Uh, my good friends, um, uh, Andy and Doug at Han Yoon Farm are actually, um, they're the ones running the class. I'm basically just hosting them here. It's going to be a wonderful event. It's going to be a four day uh, extravaganza. <laughs> We're going to start with uh, killing the hog um, in, our, in our traditional fashion. Uh, that we that we start with, we always start with a toast of whiskey to kill the hog. And we read the uh, uh, the poem for the hog killing by the great Wendell Berry, um, and then we dispatch the hog. And then we're going to follow that day with using the blood, making blood products, breakdown of the hog, and then make um, different uh, cured meats, whether it's whole muscle cures and salami, fresh sausage. The whole gambit. It's going to be a wonderful extravaganza. Uh, we're also going to be doing um, uh, a wine pairing uh, with a sommelier with cured meats and uh, including – I have a wood-fired pizza oven. We're going to do some wood-fired pizza with some cured meats and my own venison pepperoni. And it, it's, going to be a, it's going to be a special event. Uh, we're you can't really looking forward to it. it, it um, <laughs> you can't replicate it. Right. There's nowhere there's nowhere you're gonna go and get that experience. No, I, I, I think this one I've done enough classes now in different locales. I must say my I mean Kate's was very, very special. My my week in Italy was was still like one of the greatest food and, and curing extravaganzas ever. Although they were all wonderful. I mean, when I go, but here in the US there are little classes here and there. I, I haven't seen anything to the level of one of Kate's classes, um, or quite frankly, our class. We did that. We did. We did two. We did two multi-day ones with Francois that I think were 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 up there amongst the best of the best. Uh, even though I didn't know what I was really getting myself into, we yep. actually with 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 an array <clears throat> of students. I decided that it was a good idea to kill six hogs in a day from start to finish with people that have never done it before that luckily I had a good team and we were able to get it done. But, but next class I corrected for, we're going to do one hog here just to show people, you know, and you want people to be hands on. It's just difficult. You know, it's so we've learned some things from that, but this, this truly, I will say it's going to be, I, in fact, I just I was just doing some random searches to see who else is offering classes, and there there's a couple people that offer classes in and around the U.S. There there will be no one. I'll, I'll go on my high horse here and say there will be no one that will offer a better class in the U.S. this year. Um, this this class will will be in the epitome of, of of classes here in the U.S. anyway. And unfortunately, I'll put, uh, I'll, we'll chat. After yeah. after the call, I'll yeah. put that information in the show notes, yeah. yes. so people can. That would be, if that would folks, be wonderful because there'll be there'll be somebody who's like, you know what, I want I want to do that. That's, this this uh, is and, and and this is a class for I don't care what level you are, you'll learn you'll learn and do. We've had people who, um, at one of our classes, uh, this chef drug his boss, and this guy had never really butchered or never did anything. Yeah. And he actually had a great time. 
And so it's anywhere from literally a beginner all the way up, even if you're quote unquote advanced. And I, and I, I know my way around all this stuff. I still learn when I hang out with my colleagues, we learn all the time from each other, little techniques, little, little things. I mean, I'm not, I'm not an expert butcher or expert. I mean, I have a lot of knowledge base in this, but, but I learn every time. I don't care. And that's, that's what I, sure. I love about this and, and the, sure. the, the spirit and the camaraderie of this, of the community. I mean, it just, well, it's just, it's like, it's like other things in this world. That's my orientation to the world. Something to learn every day. Uh, and, uh, and when you, and we do a course like that, there's certainly something you learn from the instructor, but yeah. there's something you're going to learn from your classmates too. And uh, it's just, it, it's just, it, <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, I'm 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 so having it's interesting this week, and and sometimes lifelong acquaintances. So it, it's funny when I first did this, when I first jumped into this was in 2018 that I could do a class with Francois. So I posted this class. I you know it, it kind of came about in a, in a weird way, and so I I I put this. I I said like I I'm going to try to get this class and. And I posted some things and a month went by and no one signed up. And I'm like, and it, and looking back at it, it was a very inexpensive class. Plus I, I, I actually, and again, this, this was something we probably, we even probably won't do this again. I had it set up that you got to, you got your own half a hog to butcher at this class. So you Great. literally had, that was your half a hog. And no one really does. It's hard to do that. And also, and, and realize that my, my small walk-in later was like, I had six hogs worth of meat to process and do and keep it straight. So that's impossible to do. But anyway, a month went by, I had, um, I had no signups and lo and behold, like the first signup was a gentleman from Australia. Um, and in fact, he, so he came, um, his, I think his significant other signed him up or so I forget how that came about, but I, we went back and forth. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be, it should be good. Like I didn't, I didn't know how this was going to be. And I had, I had met Francois and he had visited me, but I had never worked with him. So I didn't know hmm. where this would go. And, um, if you want to look it, it, there's some good feed from my Instagram from 2018, I think that has it. And anyway, Long and short of it, this gentleman is – he's back in the U.S. now. He had, first time he's traveled in a long time, and he messaged me. He's in New York City. So he's actually coming here Friday night. We're going we're gonna nice. to re, re, get reacquainted. But that's kind of the, what, what happens. The people that you meet at events, yeah. Uh, yeah. somebody I met 10 years ago at an event, I'm still really good friends with. Because it's the community, and that's what I love sure. about this. It's it's like sure. you know, like your hunters, right? If you go hunt with a bunch of guys, you're going to probably hit it off, and you know. Sure. It, and this community is even, sure. dare I say, it's a little narrow. It's a little tighter because it's 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 more narrow. I mean, in this community, there are just aren't that many people, and so you're going to probably bump into somebody that knows somebody that's, you know, it's just an interesting. It's an interesting world. It's pretty focused. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. Sure. But uh, um, what can you can you give a piece of advice for listeners where where to get started? Where if you're a gosh, I'd like to do something. Where do I start? So so I, I'll tell you what. Um, one great book because he's such a good writer is Michael Room Roman's book on charcuterie. So his book, which is it's it's much maligned, and the first edition, the salt concentrations were were high, and that's true. But he has two books: one on shakuri, one on it's, I think one on salumi. Yeah, they're they're both just because he's such a good writer. Yeah, um, and that's a good play, but it's a good basic place to start. Um, you know, there's a lot of online resources. Uh, there's a couple of Facebook groups. The shark, the salt cured pig is one that, uh, that. that's, that's out Love there. That. There's a, there's a couple other charcuterie forums online. Um, I think those are all wonderful places. And then I would search out a class. Um, 
In addition to this very special class here, my good friends, Andy and Doug, they're, they're actually traveling the country. So Canyon Farm puts on, in fact, they're doing a workshop at their farm uh, next, uh, oh, actually, it's this weekend coming up, I think. So they're doing one at their farm. They've done ones on that. They've done. They've actually done beef workshops as well for home, home, home butchery. Um, yep. There's a couple other folks that do. So I, I think one doing some reading, um, yep. and don't go buy a pig until you're ready to know what you want to yep. do, and yep. and then do reading, and then and then um, you know dive into it. I mean, start. You can start with a pork shoulder. You don't have to go buy a whole hog. Start with a pork shoulder and make some. I mean, you can make a wonderful um, uh, sausages just with a KitchenAid mix, mixer uh, grinder attachment. Yep. In fact, yep. I, I I I've taught a the last couple of years, um, and we just did one this spring. I, I donated uh, uh, just a three a couple hour charcuterie class. I, I should say sausage class. We did a fresh sausage class to a group. And then they have people that have never done anything and just saying like, okay, this is how you grind stuff and make a casing and the basic stuff. So you can do a lot with just a little bit. Yep. Um, you yep. don't need all of that much to, to, to start. But I do, I would tell people do their homework. Um, you know, before you get into the weeds and <laughs> I think in, in, in uh, COVID there were more than a few people that, got a free pig because of all the processing nightmares mm-hmm. that were out there when there were these free pigs. Mm-hmm. And then, and then found out they couldn't, they couldn't process couldn't get anybody to process it and had to do it at home. So I, I would start, I, I would, I would start slow, but definitely just dive in. Um, yeah. I mean, medicine, if you're a hunter, get some yep. medicine, don't have it all ground up how they want to do, right. Yep. Um, keep some of it in chunks and make your own grind. Yep. You know, I mean, Sweet. that's, that's what I would say. And then reach out. I mean, the community is really great. People have reached, have reached mm-hmm. out to me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and I usually try to respond to those, um, uh, as, as quickly as I can. Um, but that, I think the community, this community is really super nice in, in general. They're great. We're trying to, we're trying to bring help. We're trying to help and bring folks along. And, and if somebody wants some help advice, happy to share it. Yeah, absolutely. That's, awesome. that's what I love to see and love, love, love to see people utilize everything. And, I, and like I said, it's sometimes those little experiences. Like my brother, you know, you were talking about confit, and my brother had never, he's a big duck hunter, but had never confit. And I said, well, you should confit those, your ducks. And, and like this, it's changed his life because of that. Just that um, process. Yeah. 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 Um, Michael Ruland's been on the podcast twice. He and Brian oh. Polson came for the second one. Oh, nice. We talked about charcuterie and salumi. And right. then we talked about the book he did, Confit, Pate, and Riette. Yeah. I want to, I have to get into that book, you know, again, it's only so much time, but yeah, they're, they're really, uh, um, sure. I, I, like I said, his, the, his first book is, is, <laughs> I think I think it's just because it's probably the, probably the best book. I mean, the, the the most that sold the most copies. I should say, not the best book, the one that sold the most copies. And and but he he writes so well. He, he just writes well. I call it. Uh-huh. I I would use the word accessible. It's accessible. Yeah, you yeah, can open yeah, up the book yeah. and get started. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And and sure, there's deeper and different resources, but it's a great place to get started. Thank it's you. on my it's on my books. It's, it's it's probably on the shelf behind me now, amongst <laughs> the other books. Do do I do I do I consult that much now? No, I don't think so. I mean, every once in a while, I actually look and I'm like, oh, I sure. she's bri for you know. Sometimes I'll go back and like. Oh, what's that Brian that he uses? That percentage. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go yeah. back because I like that one or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, I, I've had so many, you know, different books since, but uh, you know, that that is sure. all I think for the beginning sure. that I'm gonna always recommend um, because there are some other ones out there that are great, but sometimes it, it it's too, 
it's too in depth, if you will, uh, not as accessible. Um, and it's more, more of a, uh, more of a manual, more of a dry read. I, that's one thing I would say about his books. They're, sure. they're a great read and you learn a yeah. the way for beginners. I, I don't think it can be beat. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, it was a pleasure. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to talk with um, folks who know about their craft and who are willing to share what's going on. And, and my goal is to help our listeners elevate their game. And you have clearly helped us do that today. Jim, it is a distinct pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. You're most welcome.